and focus your attention on verse 13. And now abides faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Westside began its sixth year of a partnership with Bear Valley Bible Institute just this past week. Uh, Six years ago now, the congregation started sending me four or five weeks each year to teach in that school. I received no kind of compensation from Bear Valley at all because of the support received from the church here. And I wanted you to hear the response of a student or two because this work is your work, not merely mine. Last week I taught chapel from Tuesday through Friday at the school and also taught every day from 8 in the morning till about 4 in the afternoon. Uh, A short course that is pretty intense. This particular student is the wife of one of the male students. She's six months with a little one, carrying a little one. And she said, this class has challenged me personally in my faith and my attitude in ways I never could have expected. The focus in the beginning on being a man or woman of God is something that really struck me and caused me to reflect. It brought to the forefront how important my relationship with God and my integrity is if I am going to have a positive impact for good in the work of the kingdom. Everything has to be built off of this. And I've been confronted with my need to grow deeper and closer to God no matter what phase of life I am. This class has brought me much new knowledge and direction of how to pursue my Lord better. I'm so grateful to have been in this class and to have been humbled by the powerful words from Scripture, by the examples given in Scripture that we have studied. Thank you, Mike, for teaching and living this class. But please, please thank the congregation for supporting a work that deeply and directly has impacted not only my life and the life of my husband, but the life of my classmates. This is a great work, and I think we ought to be thrilled to have a part in it. Look at 1 Corinthians 13 briefly, please. In a study called The Greatest of These is Love, based on verse 13, just read for us by our brother Jim Lorenz, it's fascinating how often the great passages of the Bible can stand alone. 
But they also are enhanced even more when we look at them in their surrounding context. You look at this passage, 1 Corinthians 13, and it's amazing how beautiful and what a masterpiece it is just looking at it. God's amazing Word. I think Hebrews 11 is one of those passages too, talking about by faith, the heroes of faith. One may look at that passage just alone, Hebrews 11, but when you look at it in the overall context of Hebrews it becomes even more amazing. I think of Romans chapter 8, and that chapter can stand on its own. And yet when you look at it in the context of the book of Romans and how we're made right with God through Jesus and the gospel by God's amazing grace, how wonderfully assuring Romans 8 is. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, it can stand alone. But when you look at it, it's context in the book of Matthew as a whole. The king has come, and here's how citizens of the king live. Look at 1 Corinthians 13 one more time with me. Because verses 1 through 3 deal with the indispensability of love. Anything minus love equals nothing according to divine arithmetic. That's what verses 1 through 3 say. Without love, I am sounding brass and clanging cymbal. I am nothing without love. I gain nothing without love. Verses 4 through 7, the characteristics of love... The qualities of love. What love does and what love won't do. Culminating this idea, this thought unit, by talking about love and all things and how love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. Now verses 8 through 13... Verses 8 through 13 deal with the enduring nature of love. The enduring nature of love. Love lasts. One more note I need to mention because as I'm looking out here, I see Sarah and several others. And you know, this past week, the oldest of the Patton girls, Hannah, was at Bear Valley along with Cody, a young man that seems to be following her around a lot lately. I don't know why. But every morning they were in class from 8 to 4. They brought their work from Texas A&M with them to do homework assignments later, or in breaks. But they were there too. In about two or so years, it is their goal to go to Bear Valley. Keep that in your thoughts and prayers. And I was just amazed at how much energy they had to be able to come to class, come to chapel, visit with everybody after school's over, go see sites in the Denver area, and do their homework from Texas A&M each night. Oh, to be young again. Amen? Huh. They really did well at that. Now back to 1 Corinthians 13. Notice how verse 8 begins. Love never 
fails. Again, love is not dumb. Love is not naive. But love never fails if we are expressing the love of God because God doesn't fail. 1 John 4, verse 8. To express God's love in our actions, love fails not. Think of it this way too. Love never fails if we express to others the love of Jesus. Ephesians 3, verses 17 through 21. The love of Jesus doesn't fail because Jesus doesn't fail. He's God. The love that I'm talking about in this chapter doesn't fail. The Bible speaks about how the love of the Holy Spirit has been shed in our hearts. Romans 5 and verse 5. The Holy Spirit doesn't fail. And when we show a love as God does, when we reflect His love, it never fails. It never fails. Now here's an interesting thing about the church at Corinth. They were divided. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 1? How that some were saying they were of Paul, they were of Apollos, they were of Peter or Cephas, they were of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 6, Paul would argue, you are carnal. They had all kinds of miraculous gifts in the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7. But there is not any real indication that those miraculous gifts made them more mature, more loving, more like Christ. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13 is in our Bibles. Now notice verses 8 through 13. Because one of the things I hope you'll see is this. Put in your Bibles two headings or in your notes. Then, now. Then, now. And let's just work our way through the passage. Then and now. Beginning at verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. For tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Now begin to pay attention. Then, now. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part. The partial, the incomplete, verses 9 and 10... Then, now, the complete, the perfect. Let me keep reading. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Look at verse 11. Now. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. Then, now, rather, when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
Then, when I was a child, now, when I become a man. Verse 12, now, a mirror dimly, then, face to face, clearly. Notice it goes on to say, now I know in part, then, then now. I know in part at this moment, a time when miraculous gifts are still in existence, but then... When the perfect comes, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Notice what abides now. And what needs to be emphasized now by the Corinthian church. Verse 13. Faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, just a few observations from this passage. The Corinthians had a great tendency to emphasize the delivery system. Tongues, prophecy, knowledge. And they lacked a proper emphasis on the main things. The idea of faith, hope, love. Go back and look at the passage now. In verse 8, it says, Of prophecy, it will be done away. It says, of knowledge, it will be done away. It's the same term. Done away, done away is the same term in the original language. It says of tongues, they will cease. And it's an interesting term. The action will stop, but the impact that had been made will continue. You stop and think about that and how the apostles were able to speak in languages they'd never studied in Acts 2. It is still a sign that the message that they had came from God. When you look at Cornelius and his house speaking in tongues in Acts 10 and 11, it's still a sign that the Gentiles were included in the great plan of God to save us. Just like the signs of Jesus in John 20 verses 30 and 31 still help us to believe that he's the Son of God, the fact that these people were able to speak in languages that they never studied miraculously is still a divine sign that their message came from God and that this would confirm that message. Now today, there are those who believe that they receive revelation from God in the same sense that the early Christians did. Let me say this as clearly as I can. Not true. Not true. When you look at the passage, the passage is dealing with miraculous revelation from God. Specifically, catch it, Waylon. It's dealing with prophecy, tongues, and knowledge, all which have to do with divine revelation. 
all of those terms are about God's revelation to people who had miraculous gifts. Correct? Now look, if you will, at verse 10. If the discussion has to do with revelation from God, and verse 10 says, when that which is perfect or complete has come, that which is in part shall be done away. And the discussion has to do with miraculous revelation from God when the miraculous revelation of God comes in its fullness, its perfection, its completeness, the partial revelation through miraculous gifts will cease. You see the point? What verse 10 is talking about is when and how spiritual gifts would come to an end. And think about how important this is to the overall context. Here are the Corinthian Christians, and what they are emphasizing is a delivery system that is not going to be going on in this old world for a long time. Their tongues, their knowledge, they're emphasizing prophecy. They're emphasizing the delivery system, and they're forgetting about the message behind it of faith, hope, and love of salvation in Christ. That brings me to another thought. A person can have, even now, incredible knowledge, incredible speaking ability, and it's in a non-miraculous sense, but you will say, that person is really, really talented and gifted. You know the type? but they may be a spiritual pygmy. That doesn't make them mature. Some Christians are not very mature. As a matter of fact, they probably repeated kindergarten, spiritually speaking, 50 times. And that's what's happening at Corinth. The possession of a delivery system does not mean that one possesses faith and hope and love in Christ and their relationship with Him. Keep looking at the passage. The word perfect is never used in the New Testament. And I say that with hesitation, but I really believe it's true based on looking it up. The word perfect is never used in the New Testament of the eternal state, but of what we become now. You think about uh, Matthew 5, 44 through 48, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love like God does even your enemies. That's the basic idea of Matthew 5, 44 through 48. And that's a hard one, isn't it? It takes time to learn that type of stability and maturity and completeness in Christ. Look at verse 13. 
Now abides, now abides faith, hope, and love. These are not qualities that were being emphasized. Qualities that were being emphasized were prophecy, tongues, and understanding and knowledge. But now abides faith, hope, and love. These three, the greatest of these is love. Now I could get into a long discussion of other possibilities that people have tried to come up with over the years regarding that which is perfect. But simply look at your Bible and mark the expression, that which is perfect, complete. That, it doesn't say he who is perfect. That generally refers to a thing, doesn't it? That which is perfect. Every scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be what? Perfect. Thoroughly furnished unto every good work. The perfect law of liberty, James 1.25. Contend earnestly for the faith, the complete, the once for all delivered faith to the saints, Jude verse 3. It seems to me that in the chapter itself, he is saying, You've left some awfully important things undone because of your emphasis on miraculous gifts. The emphasis on the delivery system rather than on the message of the gospel with faith, hope, and love. Thankfully, it's not possible to do the same thing today. We can emphasize talent. We can emphasize communication and we can emphasize keeping rules, and we can emphasize sacrificial giving, and you know what Paul said? But have not love, it's meaningless. I am nothing. I gain nothing. And so there is the lesson. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for the complete revelation of Scripture. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and how he inspired men to write your will so that we might have faith and hope and love in you. Help us not to be like the Corinthians of so long ago and emphasize the package when we should be emphasizing what's inside, to emphasize the wrapping and forget to be people who trust and obey, people who hope in you, and people that love you and reflect your love. In Christ's name, amen. So the perfect, that which is perfect, is the complete revelation as it is opposed to the partial revelation.
that was shown in miraculous gifts. If you need to respond to the full revelation of God's Word in faith, repentance, and baptism tonight, don't delay. And for those of us who are Christians, I hope our love for Jesus shows in all of our relationships. Let us stand and sing.